Welcome to The Productivity Show, the Asian efficiency podcast dedicated to helping you make the most of your time, attention, energy, and focus. Do you like the idea of the 12-week year, but you have trouble achieving your 12-week year goals? Then this episode is for you. So did I until I started implementing the concept of a personal retreat or thinking day that we're about to share with you in this episode. Brooks and I talk about how to make the most of your personal thinking time. I share the process I've used personally to achieve my goals for the last three quarters, give you the questions that you should ask when identifying your own 12-week year goals, and a bunch of other tips to make achieving your personal and professional goals inevitable. You can find links to everything that we share in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 207. And now, on with the show. Hey everyone, this is Mike Schmitz and with me today to talk about personal retreats and thinking time is Mr. Brooks Duncan. How are you doing today, Brooks? I'm excellent. I'm really looking forward to this episode. I probably say this every time, but uh, this time I really mean it. I was just telling uh, you offline that uh, this is one I've been waiting for a long time, so I'm really excited to get into it. <laughs> yeah, it's one that I've put off for a long time <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I got the idea for this originally from a dojo member, uh, Matt Vanderpool. Sorry if I pronounced your name wrong, Matt. Uh, bookworm in the the uh, Slack channel. But uh, he floated the idea of a personal retreat, and I really liked that. Uh, we were talking a lot about thinking time and stuff like that. At the same time, I had just gotten off of a dumpster fire of a 12-week year, and I <laughs> uh, was trying to figure out how do I make this actually work. And uh, yeah, so I, I took the idea and I ran with it the last couple quarters. And so we're going to talk a little bit about my experience with this, and then you've got a couple things that you want to add here too. Uh, I know that having a second perspective on this is going to be great because you get a lot of times head down on this stuff and you don't even see things like you may be doing wrong. So I'm going to share kind of my seven step process that I've landed on here, but definitely open to uh, any comments that you have, Brooks, on how we could improve this. Yeah, I've ever since hearing about this is years and years and years ago, but ever since hearing about how Bill Gates does his uh, famous think week where he takes a bunch of stuff off to some cabin on an island or whatever uh, and just does that i and also weirdly this is gonna be a weird tie-in but the movie uh love actually where uh can't remember the actor's name but what's his name uh is writing a novel in some i think a portuguese cabin or something like that and is holed away there i've always fantasized about doing something like that having a regular process for a, a personal retreat uh, but the difference is you actually did it so i'm uh, <laughs> i'm really i'm really excited about hearing about it yeah now um one of the things that i know people will ask about this uh Yes, the reason that I'm able to do this is because my wife is awesome. But no, I don't just do this and leave her at home with the kids all the time. Uh, she gets her own version of this as well. In fact, uh, not too long ago, I took all of the kids away on an overnight. Um, we had a newborn at home, so she stayed with uh, with the newborn. But me taking the other four crazy boys with me, she uh, she she texted me about an hour after we left. And she's like, oh, my gosh, I totally understand now why you want to do this. <laughs> when you get a little bit of distance then uh, everything becomes clear as long as you ask the right questions. Um, let me talk a little bit before we get into what it is and the process, uh, how exactly I landed on this, how I finally got up the, the courage, I guess. Maybe that's wrong, wrong word, but you know what, what pushed me over the edge to finally implement this? Okay, so really it started with my 12-week year. Uh, my 12-week year journey started when I, when I uh, read the book and we talked to Brandon Wentland. He created the 12-week year training in the dojo, which is great. And that episode that Brandon was on was TPS 138. Okay. But just like everybody who starts with the 12 week year, uh, you probably thought it sounded awesome, but then you start implementing it and you realize that you're not making as much traction as you would have liked, or you had like me, a couple 12 week years, uh, quarters where you just don't make, you don't make the progress that you think you're going to, and then you can quickly become discouraged. So like we talked about on this podcast, the next step for me was join a mastermind. I've got a local mastermind. We meet about once a month, but that's not often enough to keep me on track. Okay. And as we talked about in the motivation versus willpower episode, you know, when you, when you don't have that motivation consistently, then your willpower relying on your willpower to carry you through in between the, you know, the month between meetings, 
that uh, I found anyways was was not enough to keep me going. Around the same time, Tan's talking to us about Thinking Time, got excited about it again. We recorded TPS 162 with Tan on Thinking Time. We've got a dojo training on Thinking Time, which was inspired by his, uh, his training that he did with us internally. And uh, I realized that this was the missing piece. And if you're interested in Thinking Time, there's those links to all these resources in the show notes, including a blog post that he wrote on the topic too. Um, but if you're, you know, if you're listening to this live, we're recording this in front of the dojo audience right now. We got several people in here, Janira, Lisa. Uh, you can actually go look at that Thinking Time training right now. It's in the, it's, it's in the, the dojo customer area, and it's great. The questions that Tan outlines there are really the basis that I used when I created this, uh, I'm again, I said I created this, but I totally stole the idea for this from, from Matt. Um, but I realized that this was the missing piece. So I started taking a day every uh, three months to go think what I called my personal retreat or my thinking day. Uh, I started this kind of right before Q1 of this year. I also did it at the end of March. So before Q2, as we're recording this of 2018, and I just got back as we're recording this again uh, before Q3 of, of 2018. And uh, the, I've noticed that the three times that I've done this or the two times uh, that I've completed the 12-week the, uh, the um, session after that, I have absolutely crushed all of my goals. And so <laughs> I really think that this is an important piece. And if you don't have an entire day to get away like I did, then you can definitely apply some of this stuff on a smaller scale. I'm going to share with you what I what I did. I know, Brooks, you've got some ideas, and we're going to give you a lot of tactical stuff that you can kind of apply to your current situation. You don't have to do it exactly like uh, we're going to we're going to teach you in this episode. Well, before we get into I'm, we're going to get into the tactical part where you take us through, you know, kind of exactly what you do. But since you've done it a couple times now. Have you found that similar to we've talked about on the podcast before how we with our quarterly planning sessions that um, myself, you and Tan do every time we do it, it gets kind of faster and more efficient. Uh, do you, have you found that with with the personal retreat as well? It's uh, you it's getting kind of more of a rhythm and what might have taken a lot more time is easier now or is it pretty much the same every time? I will say that the. Things that I repeat every single time, uh, those definitely get faster. I've also found different things that I've implemented along the way. I feel like I'm still kind of learning in this journey. What is the best way to do this? I just think that, you know, Matt brought this up so long ago and I know people have asked about it inside the dojo and I've done it three times now. I just got back from it. So I'm super excited about it. And I figured this was as good a time as any to, to talk about it, but I'm not confessing that I have it hundred percent figured out yet either. <laughs> Um, so like one of the things that I did initially when I did it uh, at the end of December last year is I wrote down everything that I had accomplished that year because that was kind of the catalyst was I was frustrated with the amount of production, quote unquote, that I was able to to accomplish the previous year. I was kind of bummed out because I didn't think that I had done that much. And then I made a list of everything that I had done, you know, and uh, opened my eyes like, wow, I actually did have a, a pretty <laughs> awesome year. Right. Um, I don't do that every single quarter, though. So sure. that's an example of the types of things where like you can do, you can slot these things in whenever you think that they're appropriate, but it's not going to be exactly the same every single time. I'm going to share the, the, the important stuff. I think that uh, the seven steps that we're going to share here, uh, those are the things that I use pretty much every time. And uh, those do get faster the, the more that you do it. Got it. All right. So let's start with what is a personal retreat anyways. Uh, like I said at the beginning, it's kind of like a thinking day. Uh, and the, my implementation of this is I go up to Door County. So I live in uh, I live in central Wisconsin. Door County is kind of the, the touristy area up on the, the, the thumb, you know, where you have you have the lake on on either side. And uh, my parents have a, a place which is up the hill from one of those main drags. So in the summer, it can be kind of nuts if you go down by the water because all the rich Illinois tourists are there and it's just kind of crazy. But where I am, uh, there's, there's really, it's kind of in the middle of nowhere. And I kind of like that. And especially if you do it in the winter, there's absolutely nobody there. Basically the whole town shuts down except for a gas station and one or two restaurants. So that, that's what I, I, I really like to, to go there in the winter because you really feel like there is just nobody else up here. Um, but time away from everyone and everything, what it does is it cuts out the noise to be alone with your thoughts and you don't have to go two hours to 
a cabin in the woods to do this, but you do have to find a quiet place where you're not going to be interrupted. That's the real important thing, I think, is that there are absolutely no interruptions. So when I go there, all my devices that I have have with me for a lot of the the processing that I'm going to be doing, uh, they all go on do not disturb. I'm not getting text messages. I'm I'm not getting notifications. My wife even knows that if she's got to get a hold of me, like she'll send me a text and it'll be probably several hours before I check it and <laughs> get back to her. Uh, but that's really the, like, you, you just figure out where you can create that space for an extended period of time. Like I said, I go up typically for an entire day. So I'll go up usually like Thursday night, I'll get there late. I'll have all day Friday. I'll come back Saturday morning. That's typically how, how I've done it. But even if you only had a couple of hours, just find a quiet place where you can just cut out all the noise. And if you ask the right questions, when you are alone with your thoughts like that, it's amazing to me, the clarity that can come from what should I be doing or what should I not be doing? And like, yeah, uh, like you've got uh, here in the the notes, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a whole day, but more time in my opinion and experience equals more clarity. Yeah, that's right. Ideally, because when we go through the process, there is going to be quite a few things here. So probably you would need uh, a whole day to do most of it. But if for whatever reason, just the way your life is structured, et cetera, et cetera, maybe you don't ha- have a certain place you can go. If you're not able at this point to get to that point, which uh, I, I'm definitely not there yet, you have to start with where wherever you can start. So uh, two alternatives that, that you could do to get as much of this as possible is like we talked about in the thinking time episode that you referenced TPS 162, just schedule a block of time that you can get to somewhere with no interruptions. Uh, for myself, what I try to do is on uh, Thursdays, it just so happens I live near a golf course uh, and there is a, a restaurant at the golf course where on a sunny day, nobody's inside because everybody's out on the patio. Uh, and on a rainy day, hardly anyone's golfing anyway. So either way, at this particular time on, in a weekday, there's hardly anyone in there. So I just set up in front of this big picture window looking over the golf course. Like you said, I, I turn off all my notifications and everything. I have a beverage and I just sit there and do my my version of uh, my shortened versions of this. Um, another thing you can do is if you travel for work, what I would sometimes do, and I, I still do a version of this sometimes, is if you're able to, and again, you're not always, but if you're able to, that is a good way you could maybe tack on some time to that existing travel. Uh, So what I would do sometimes is if I was doing a work trip and maybe that work trip was, I don't know, let's say a Monday to Wednesday, maybe instead of coming back on the Wednesday, I would come back on the Thursday, you know, Thursday afternoon or Thursday evening and have that extra time uh, that I could hold up somewhere and focus. Or maybe if it was otherwise I was going to come home Maybe everybody was leaving on the Thursday morning. I would come back on a late flight Thursday so that I'd have the whole day before I fly home to go to a cafe or um, somewhere else, a library. I, I would do that a lot. After a conference, I'd hold up at a local library and just do that type of focus. So if you're not able to do these regular getaways, there are things you can do. Yeah, I like that suggestion. And actually, I I did that when I was at Entree Leadership kind of unintentionally because the conference gets over later in the day and I've got connecting flights in order to get back to Wisconsin. Then I've got a two hour drive from the Milwaukee airport. So I don't do well late at night and (laughs) I was nervous about driving late at night. So when Nicole was was booking the flights for me, you know, I saw the, the time that the conference was supposed to get over and I was like, well, I'll just leave the next day. And what that gave me was a couple of hours at the end of the day, you know, when the conference is over. And at at that point, you know, I'm just kind of processing everything that had happened because I heard from some really smart people. (laughs) But uh, you could definitely you could definitely do that. uh, Apply the the thinking time questions during that time as well. I also like the, uh, the the golf course example. I I'm personally not really a golfer, but I've almost picked up golf several times for this very reason, because I think like if you were to create a habit of, of golfing once a week or whatever, and you're on the course two to four hours, depending if you're doing nine or 18 holes, like that's a lot of time to think as well. And you don't have to golf. You don't have to 
travel somewhere, you just have to be able to figure out on your schedule where you're going to prioritize this thinking time. And then I actually have in my OmniFocus setup, I've got a tag for thinking time. So when there's a question that I want to apply thinking time to, uh, I, I give it a tag of thinking time and I've got a thinking time perspective. I can just go in there. I can select one of those questions and I can just think about that during the, the time that I have that thinking time. So if you wanted to do this, uh, if you wanted to do this in a, on a smaller scale, you know, you could do something similar where you just have these kind of ready to go whenever you've got a couple of hours here or there, then you can, you can apply this. Rachel says golfers aren't the most serene group <laughs> in my experience. I agree. I think a lot of people golf socially. That's not appealing to me at all. <laughs> uh, but I do kind of like the idea of just going on in a golf course by myself for a couple of hours. <laughs> yeah. I just want, I just want to clarify. I am not myself a golfer at all. I've done mini golf and that's it. I just like hanging out in the restaurant of this golf course. Cause it's usually, uh, it's usually abandoned and it's just a beautiful view of, uh, out the window. Uh, so either way, uh, I'm a, I'm a fake golfer. (laughs) The principle though, depending on whatever method you're going to use to apply this thinking time, uh, it can be a little bit intimidating to start applying this. I know Tan talked to us about thinking time. He's like, you guys should be doing this every week. And, uh, we didn't for a while, (laughs) Mm -hmm. partly because we, we felt bad just disconnecting from our work. But I think what we've both realized at this point is that it actually makes our work a lot more effective. Uh, do you agree? Uh, totally agree. Yeah, that's exactly what I found. Okay. Um, well the, then when you realize that this is an important thing, then the trick is to put it on your calendar. If you put it on your calendar first, in my experience, anyways, the Stephen Covey, you know, the big rocks story where if you put the big rocks in the jar first, they're going to fit. But if you try to squeeze it in at the end, when you've got all of the pebbles and, and the water and the sand and everything else, all the little things already in there, you're not going to be able to find the time. So everybody who's listening to this right now and they're thinking to themselves, there's no way that I could spend an entire day every quarter thinking or even a couple of hours every quarter thinking. I would say that you're probably right if you're looking at it that way. You have to kind of flip your perspective. You have to really buy into this idea and then apply it, put this in there first. And what I've found is that if I identify my next thinking day when I'm doing my personal retreat, then there's no problem hitting it because all of the stuff that we're planning, you know, is going to work around that. And if something comes up and I had to move it, I can do that pretty easily because usually I find out about those things far enough in advance. But if it doesn't go in first, it's not going to happen. Yep. hundred percent agree. And, you know, if, if you're somebody who works in an office and, it's probably not realistic for you to take a a day away because maybe you would have to use up your vacation days, which you want to use with your family, or maybe you would need to use your personal days or something like that. If you're not able to do that, that totally makes sense. But then it's about seeing what little pockets you can carve carve away, whether it's that tacking on time to travel, like like we were talking about, or maybe just uh, holding up in a in a conference room somewhere, uh, see if you can get away for, for a couple hours once a week or an hour once a week or something like that. Uh, just to, just to, uh, hide in some room where, where people, uh, can't easily as easily find you. So it's about finding what you're a- making do with whatever you have. Don't think that you have to be able to, uh, go away to be able to do implement some of these strategies. Uh, but the more you can do the better, obviously. Yeah. Work with what you've got. You know, don't, yep. don't feel bad because you can't devote an entire day to this. Maybe you can get to get to that at, at some point, but just applying even a little bit of time to thinking about what you should be doing. In my opinion, that's really the the principle here is that if you spend time thinking about what you should be doing, then what, when you actually sit down to do that work, you're much more successful at it. So uh, maybe let's talk about the process and I'll just, like I said, talk about the things that I've done uh, and this is kind of specifically from my my latest one, uh, but you can pick and choose whatever you you want out of this. Um, all right, so got seven steps here in my my process. Uh, number one, review your personal core values. Now we have a podcast episode, I believe it's TPS one twenty six, where we talk about developing your own personal core values. I've mentioned my family, we've identified five different core values for us. We've got, uh, we've got them actually printed and hanging on our living room wall. Uh, but 
I've also noticed over the years that, you know, whatever you're applying the core values to, whether it's your family personally or the organization that you're in, these can change. Uh, we used to have a core value, which after a couple people from the, the company left, realized that that really wasn't resonating with the people who, who were part of Asian efficiency. So we, we changed it. And that's completely okay. Just because you wrote it down once doesn't mean that you have to stick with it forever. So one of the questions that I answer at this point is, are there any core values that don't resonate anymore? Uh, Brooks, what's your experience with the, the core values? Have you done this personally? No, I, I haven't. I haven't written it down in that way before. Uh, but that's really interesting. Uh, just out of total curiosity, have you? Have you? Like, I know we changed them, or right before I joined, we changed uh, the core values here. Have you found that you've um, changed any of your personal ones, or is it? I guess also just reviewing them in that way kind of helps um, establish them even more. I guess it's it's almost like a reminder. Uh, when you go through them, you you go, oh right, you know, I you just kind of subconsciously start making decisions based on them. Yeah, we have not changed any of our family core values. Although uh, anybody who follows me knows that I my faith is pretty important to me. So these are kind of like the spiritual why behind all the productivity things. And I'm happy to run through them real quick if people want examples. Our personal ones tend to be a little bit more wordy than the ones that we use that Asian efficiency. And depending on what resource you look at, you might find that shorter core values are actually better. But um, yeah, these are the ones that we never really had anything. And then we were thinking about as a family, my wife and I, what do we want everything that we do to be in alignment with? These were the things that we landed on and I don't see these changing anytime soon. Right. Plus for you, that'd be kind of a pain because you had them uh, printed up and framed. So no, <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to change things in a frame. That's true. That's true. Although <laughs> I would, I would do it if we found something that was different. Right. All right. So I guess I'll just run through this real quick for people who want examples, but uh, really, if you haven't identified your own personal core values, best thing you can do is go back and listen to TPS 126. All right. So the Schmitz family core values, number one, and like I said, these are very faith-based. So I guess keep that in mind. You can, you don't have to have to do it that way, obviously. Uh, But number one, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Uh, Number two, give selflessly by finding the need and meeting it. Number three, lead courageously and always stand for the truth. Number four, impact the culture and leave your own legacy. Number five, determined to be different and don't settle for average. And then at the bottom, it says you're a Schmitz, be a leader. (laughs) Um, Maybe I can put a picture of this in the, uh, the show notes, but I had a graphic designer friend at our church create a, a graphic for it, kind of those mani- manifesto type graphics, and we've got it hanging on the the wall in our our living room. My wife says it's the uh, the best Mother's Day gift I ever gave her. <laughs> Can confirm, I've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> True. All right, so the core values are important because if what you're going to pick for your goals are not in alignment with your core values, you're going to lose your motivation, uh, and that if you find that your goals are not in alignment. And then you've got two options. You can either change your goals or you can change your core values. And there is no one right answer to this. That's why we said at the beginning, are there any that don't resonate anymore? If there are, then you should change that core value before you even get to the goals, because you're going to measure these goals by these core values that you've just reviewed. Hopefully that makes sense. Yep. All right. So that's number one. Number two, review the previous quarter. Uh, I just real quickly, how did I do on a scale of of one to 10? Am I happy with the results that I was able to achieve? Usually I base this off of the goals that I had set previously. Uh, What did I accomplish? I list everything here. It's not a list of every single thing that I have done because I've got a lot more direction now. The first time that I did this, I was not doing very well with my 12 week year. And I was discouraged because I didn't think I was making any progress anywhere. So I just sat and thought for an hour or two hours about what are the things that I actually got done, made a huge list. And then I realized that I did accomplish a lot of things, but maybe they weren't in line with what I really wanted to accomplish. Maybe they weren't in, weren't in line with the 12 week year goals kind of the revelation I got at that point was that maybe my 12 week year goals are wrong. Then, you know, if I'm doing all of these things, maybe I should pick goals that are in alignment with the things that I'm doing. Or the other option there is I could stop doing these things, which we'll get to in a little bit. 
Do you keep a running list of the things that you accomplish uh, through the quarter or do you kind of have to sit down at, at this point and, and kind of rack your brains about what it is that you did? Like, how do you, how do you um, populate that list? Well, like I said, the first time I didn't have anything. Uh, and so I'm like, well, I must've done something. So I sat <laughs> down and I just racked my brain and wrote down everything I could think of. Right. Uh, the last couple of times I've had specific goals that I've been working on. And so that process is a lot easier because I know what I accomplished as it pertains to those goals. And when I pick goals that are in alignment with my core values and my commitments, which we'll get to in a little bit, the things that I'm going to do anyways, uh, really that forces me to make that decision. Is this thing something that I want to keep doing? If it is, then maybe that should be a goal or there should be a goal related to this thing. Uh, but if it's not, then I should cut that loose so that I can focus that time, that attention, that energy, that focus that I was devoting to that area of responsibility towards something that's more important to me. Uh, and that's really the thing here is like the first couple of times you do this, you'll see where the misalignment is happening. And then from there, you can make a couple of adjustments to get things back in line. And that provides the traction to actually achieve the goals. Does that answer your question or no? Yeah, no, it it definitely does. Because that's okay. one thing that I always have trouble with. And I, I think, you know, you kind of, uh, what you described kind of has shown why, shown why is it's, it's hard to remember what it is that, that you did. If you're just trying to like do a brain dump of all the stuff that you've done over a period of time, it's, it's kind of hard to remember everything. So doing it the other way, um, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We can get so overwhelmed in the moment by all of, the, all of the fires that we're trying to put out. And then when you get a little bit of distance, you can realize whether those fires were actually like a deadline that caused you to take action and push through and complete something, or whether it was just stress related from the broken system that you happen to be, <laughs> happen to be in or are using. So sometimes you're in a corporate environment and there's nothing you can do about it. Your boss is going to email you and then walk into your office five minutes later and it's going to stress you out. But other times there are, there are, it isn't within your control. And so what you want to do is you want to be able to control what you can control. You want to implement the changes that you can to, to activate the whole system's thinking process. And you got the input, you got the process, you've got the output, manipulate the pieces that you can to get the outputs or the results more in your favor. Makes sense. All right. So that's number two. Uh, number three, identify all your current roles and responsibilities. This is a big one for me. Uh, I just write down everything. So uh, even the things that uh, like I've got on my my calendar, the, the things that are recurring, I count that as an area of responsibility or, or a role. So uh, just some examples from the, the last one um, that we did here or that last one that I did, obviously everything Asian efficiency related. I am the host of the productivity show. I'm responsible for grooming the, the backlog for the, the blog. I'm responsible for making sure that there's awesome dojo content every month, all of those things. And then there's the personal stuff, the church stuff. You know, I'm, I play on the worship team. I lead a discipleship, discipleship group of guys at my church. Uh, those are things that happen every single week. And those are taking hours from what I've got available to apply to my 12 week year goals. So I have to look at all of these things and I have to ask myself, is this something that I care about anymore? Or uh, I guess an another way to look at this is, are there any specific areas of responsibility or current roles that you want to improve? One of the things that I did not too long ago was when I did this, this thinking time, I, I recognized that I want to improve in my role as a father. And so I, I think I've mentioned on this podcast that I started carving out time once a week for what I call my, my one-on-ones where once a week, just for an hour, like this morning, I did it with my, my youngest. We go to a coffee shop and brought Candyland. I drank my coffee. We played some games, but it's just him and me. Uh, and I do, I try to do that every week with a, a different kid. So they all get one-on-one -on -one time with dad. And that was a result of this thinking time because I, I recognized that they do need that one-on-one -on -one time with me. How can I manufacture that and work it into my schedule? That was an example of something that I wanted to improve. But vice versa, if there's any that you don't really care about anymore, any that aren't important, and remember, just because you said yes to a thing once doesn't mean that you have to stay committed to it forever, then those things I put on what I call the chopping block. And it's just a list in drafts of, uh, which we'll get to in a little bit, you know, I, I'm going to 
create the margin so that I can say yes to the cool opportunities that are going to pop up in the future. I'm not going to assume that whatever I said yes to a year ago, six months ago even, is still the best thing. Right. I think this is a really valuable exercise because if, and sometimes it's it's a, a matter of listening to the language that that we all use when we say things, because a lot of times we say, uh, and not even necessarily from a work perspective, though the work perspective is included in this too, but a lot of times, um, you know, you we hear ourselves saying, if you really listen to what you say, uh, you know, I have to do X, you know, I have to uh, drive to drop something off, or I have to take my kids to soccer or whatever, or I have to be in this meeting uh, for the support team or, or whatever it is. But at any time you say, I have to do X, there's a good possibility that you don't have to do X. You are choosing to do X or you are allowing yourself to do X. So so take a, making a list and taking a look at all those quote unquote have tos, uh, I think is a, is, a, is a great idea. And maybe it turns out that you do have to, which is totally fine, but um, you don't really know that un- unless you take a look at it. Yeah, I'm glad that you called that out. I mean, if you were to boil it down to all those things that you have to do, the question that I would say that you should ask is why? And keep asking why, and eventually you'll get to the point where I don't want to let this person or these people down. And the choice that I've come to realize is that you're going to let some people down. So you may as well be in control of who gets let down, because that way the people who are closest to you aren't going to be the ones who get let down. In fact, I think uh, there's an article, maybe if it's not published yet, where I I talked about this, and uh, I, I mentioned that you can choose to let down you know the, the people who are who are the the closest to you you can choose to let down your friends and acquaintances you can choose to let down the strangers who are asking you to do something or you could choose to let down everybody which is what happens by default when you try to please everybody exactly and so and so just uh, 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 there's going to be some things maybe it's not your job maybe it's not whatever organization or team that you wish you could let this thing go. That's okay. Control what you can control. Start where you have, start where you are with what you have, like you mentioned earlier. Uh, But identify the things that really aren't hitting the mark anymore and be okay with letting those go. Yeah. And even if you can't let them go at this, at this particular time, for whatever reason, knowing that eventually you should or you want to is valuable too because then you can look for opportunities down the road when they come up that you can that you can say okay well uh sure i i i would be happy to take on this project x but let's talk about this why that i'm doing over here first so just knowing what you want to ditch even if you can't ditch it now uh is is super valuable yeah and uh really the point here at this step in the process, I'm not ditching those things yet. All I'm doing is identifying the candidates and I'm putting exactly. them on a list called the chopping block. So I haven't made any decisions yet. These are just things that, you know, the, the Derek Sivers, you know, if it's not a heck yes, then it's a no. Like yep. these are the things that aren't a heck yes. And I'll get to those in a, in a little bit. All right. So that's number three. And then number four, identify any additional commitments. Okay. So these aren't maybe things that are regular, but it's something that you've committed to doing for a season and you have to finish this project. Sometimes these are carryover projects from last quarter. Sometimes these are trips or vacations that you're going to take. Uh, like I've got, uh, I'm going to be presenting at, at max stock as we're recording this in a, in a couple of weeks. And that was something that I had put on my calendar. Uh, and that was a, a commitment that I actually turned into a, a 12-week year goal. One of my 12-week year goals this, this session is to, to present at MaxSec because I'm not giving one talk, but actually two, a 20-minute from the, the main stage and then an hour-long deep dive. And so I really want to just nail this. So rather than viewing it as something that I have to do and work around, I decided to prioritize this and make it a, a 12-week year goal, but it very easily could have been just something that is on my calendar that could throw off my plan for next quarter. That's really what you want to identify here is everything that's kind of out of the ordinary that may cause a little bit of trouble when it comes to actually executing on and completing your goals. I remember seeing one time somebody say on, uh, 
on Twitter, I think it was, and, and I thought it was brilliant at the time. I, I wish I could remember who it was so I could give credit, but uh, they were saying whenever they're, whenever they're invited to maybe speak at a conference or do some sort of, of trip or attend some sort of event, and that that is off in the future, like maybe next quarter or whatever, they think to them, before accepting, they think to themselves, would I say yes to this if this event or trip or whatever was next week? Because then if, you, if you're saying to yourself, no, then you know you should probably decline it because it's eventually going to be next week sometime. <laughs> so make sure that if, if, if something is an is a opportunity, you would still do it if, you, if it was, wasn't some theoretical off time. And that will reduce the, the number of things you do that, that will mess up your, your, your plans. Yeah, I think what you're getting at is like when you say yes to something that's out there in the future, you have to recognize that it's not just current you that's saying yes, it's future you. Exactly. You're, you're robbing time from future you. So if it were, you know, next week, would you agree to do this versus way out in the future? Because we, at least mentally, when you think about, oh, it's in a couple of months, like you don't realize the amount of involvement maybe that is required for that thing. Right. It's, it's like, uh, could you, the, this thing you're buying, could you afford to pay for it with cash right now instead of putting it on your credit card to pay later? And if you can't, uh, maybe, maybe it's not a great idea to make that purchase because uh, if you can't afford it now, you, chances are you may not be able to afford it later. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Uh, Andrew in the Dojo Slack uh, is talking about how he needs to constantly needs, uh, he constantly needs to review his commitments. He says, as soon as I become complacent about them, as soon as I think I'm on top of saying no, inevitably I find myself with too much on my plate again. That's exactly what I'm talking about, but that's actually the next step in the process. So maybe this is a good time to go there. So, so. Uh, just to recap real quickly, because I don't think we've been talking numbers with these, but number one, review your personal core values. Number two, review the previous quarter. Number three, identify all your current roles and responsibilities. Number four, identify any additional commitments. And then number five, I just have asked the three questions. These three questions, I don't think these specifically came from Tan's Thinking Time module. Maybe they did. I know that there was one screen in that module where he had like 20 or 30 different questions and they were all great. But these are the three that I've applied to just about every area of my life. Uh, my wife and I use these when we do our family meetings, and this is all we do now is we talk about these three questions, Right. because I found that these questions, if you give enough thinking time to them, can provide a ton of clarity. And regardless of your situation, you can apply these. So number one, what should I start doing? Number two, what should I keep doing? And then number three, what should I stop doing? Now, there's a lot of nuance and specifics to these which is why this is step five in this process. So we, we, we reviewed our core values. We reviewed the previous quarter. We've identified all of our responsibilities and commitments. Now we can think more clearly about the things that we are committed to. So what should I start doing? And these are only things that will provide traction on my 12-week year goals that I'm going to add here. That's actually the next step, but we'll get to that in a second. Uh, again, what should I keep doing? I want to identify only the things that are going to provide traction on my 12-week year goals. If there are things that I am currently doing that are not in alignment with my goals or values, then I should not be doing those things, whether I decide to stop that right now or stop it at some point in the future. But the magic happens with the third one. What should right. I stop doing? <laughs> I have forced myself the last couple times to pick at least one thing every quarter to stop doing. And that creates margin for the things that are important. The other opportunities that, that will pop up during the quarter that I say, heck yes, that's the thing that I really want to be doing. But you won't even see those things unless you have that margin. If you're so focused on, I just got to get this thing done, the opportunity could be right in front of you and you're not going to be able to see it. So making sure that I say no to at least one thing every quarter, which can be hard, uh, at least initially, but it's been really, really valuable because it allows me to see everything uh, a little bit more for what it actually is. After you go through this process, is it do you find that it's pretty clear what you should stop doing? Like, do you really have to dig and and scratch and uh, I don't know, stress isn't the wrong word, isn't the right word, but like, 
choosing what to stop doing is that difficult or is it after you go through all this is it pretty clear like okay i know i know what i need to to cut this time well uh again this is where the the distance you know getting above and slightly outside your situation as sam carpenter would say really helps because in the day-to-day I will think about all the things that I'm committed to and should I stop any of these things? And the answer is always, well, I should, I should keep doing all these things. So I'll give you an, an example from the last, uh, last personal retreat. Okay. So one of the things when I sat down to, to say, what should I stop doing? I had already been thinking about this. I knew this was coming. And so I thought to myself, oh no, I'm not going to have something that I should stop doing. <laughs> uh, but given enough time, you know, an hour, two hours, Eventually, I landed on a couple of things, and when I identified those things, I was like, ah, yes, this is totally something that I should stop doing. So one of those things, even though I love co-working and I love the whole idea of co-working, I want to help build the co-working community in North Central Wisconsin, I function as a community manager currently for Appleton Co-working, which means that I have to check the inboxes and I have to set up the tours. That was perfectly fine when I was working from the co-working space every single day because there's not a high volume of email that comes in and I'm there anyway. So I can just be there to, as long as we're not recording a podcast or something, then I can show people around and get them set up. Okay. But now I've got my home studio. I'm not there every day. I still have the office at the co-working space because it's, it's very affordable and I like going downtown once a week or so just to, to change up my location but I noticed that it's a lot harder to identify when I can show people the, the space. And if I'm not there trying to line up somebody else that can be there, it was just becoming too complicated. And I, it had a, a mental burden on me, even though there's not a whole lot of email that comes in when there, when there is a, somebody who has an inquiry like, Hey, uh, it's, it's Friday at 3 PM. And I want to know if I can come in on Monday next week. And it's the week of the fourth I'm on vacation, but I'm trying to reach out to somebody else because there's nobody actually in the, the co-working space. And hey, can somebody let this guy in? He's going to be here at 8 a.m. You know, that was that was fairly stressful, and it wasn't worth the 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 amount of. I, I, not really, I was getting paid, but I was getting a little bit of a discount on my my uh, my office. And so I just realized that for the little bit of money that I was saving, it was creating a, a much bigger headache, which was affecting everything else that I was doing. So as soon as I get some distance and I force myself to find something that I can stop doing. You know, I look at that and I'm like, yeah, why, why in the world am I still doing this? <laughs> so that's, that's one example. Yeah. And you know, what's interesting about that is there's always similar situations like this and we're, we're always doing these things and we're thinking to ourselves, oh, you know, I don't want to let the, I'm not talking specifically, I'm just using this as an example. I don't know what the situation is, but you know, you think to yourself, oh, I don't want to let the the co-working space down and, you know, uh, they're all relying on me to be this community manager, et cetera, et cetera. But really, it sounds like from what you describe, it would actually be better served to have somebody do this role who is there all the time. So it's actually it's better for you if you're able to cut it. But it may be in the long run. I mean, I know there isn't another Mike Schmitz. No one, no one could replace you. We all know that. But, <laughs> you know, maybe, you know, maybe it would be better for them if somebody who's there all the time did it. So it, so we think we think by saying no to things you know, it, we're, we're letting people down, but a lot of times, if it's something that we know we should be saying no to, it's probably lo- in the long run anyway, better for, for those people as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's really what I realized was if I'm trying to do this and I'm not able to apply myself fully to this, I'm robbing from myself because I'm always in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, is there something in there? Is there somebody that needs an immediate response? But also I'm not being fair to everybody else in the organization that appointed me as the community manager in the first place. So when I viewed it that way, it was real easy to tell the the two guys who I relied on when I was gone on vacation to show people around me, Hey, thanks for your help last week, guys. Really appreciate it. During the vacation, I realized that, you know, I just am not the right person for this anymore. I'm not in the office enough and it's not really fair to everybody else that I try to scramble and you guys fill in. So we should find somebody else who can, who can do this in the short term. While there isn't a community manager, that's, you know, that, that maybe is a little bit harder, but worst case scenario, they've got to do what they've been doing because I wasn't able to, to meet the the needs of that, that position. Uh, but getting away and having a little bit of time and space, that's what allowed me to, to see it the right way. Yep. 
All right. So those are the three questions. And Andrew says, start, stop, keep my word. That's brilliant in its simplicity. I agree, but it is so effective. So definitely apply this. If you were to do nothing else from this episode, apply those three questions whenever you've got a little bit of time to think, even a half hour on your commute or an hour on a Saturday morning, uh, just start thinking that way and uh, you'll, you'll be on your way. Uh, next one is to actually pick your 12-week year goals. And I put in the notes here, pick three, not more. It can be tempting to pick more, especially if you devote more time to your personal retreat or your, your thinking day. You'll have a whole bunch of ideas, but you don't want to pick, you want to bite off more than you can chew. So it's okay to pick less than three. It is not okay to pick more than three. Yeah, this is something we've definitely learned uh, uh, at AE is uh, the more goals you focus on, the less likely you are to achieve any of them. So uh, definitely the less, the better. Yep, for sure. Um, and then one of the things that I did the first time is I went through a book. Uh, it's actually called Five. We'll have the link in the, the show notes. Uh, the question that really it aims to answer is where do you want to be five years from now? The principle here is that you start with your long-term vision and then you work backwards. So if you can identify what you want your life to look like in five years from now, then you can identify what are the projects that if they are successful will get you closest to that ideal future. That is the whole idea behind the 12 week year because the 12 week year is built on the premise that a lot of people will set annual goals and they won't touch them for about 11 months And then December 1st, they're going to scramble so that they can get something done. And maybe they get 90% of the way there and they miss. Okay. So the principle is that if you do that on a quarterly basis for 12 weeks, maybe you're not going to knock every 12 week year uh, period out of the park. But if you get 90% of the way there, then you've got a built-in reset. You can do it again. You can achieve four times as much essentially if you did it in 12 weeks uh, sections instead of an entire year. Okay. So What are the projects that, if successful, are going to get you closest to that ideal future? Go as hard as you can on those. And if you achieve them, great. If you don't quite achieve them, then that's okay too, because you've got that that built-in reset. Uh, But you do need to kind of work backwards. And you need once you identify your five-year vision, then in my experience, anyways, it's a lot easier to evaluate all the different options when it comes to picking those three 12-week year goals. This is really interesting because this is one thing. in the dojo, our community, you know, people share a lot of times with they're going through the 12 week year, they are, um, you know, they'll share for accountability purposes, what, how they're doing, how that's going. And sometimes the 12 week year, maybe it doesn't go as well as they were hoping. And they uh, get a little um, upset about that, or not upset, maybe that's a little strong, but uh, wish it had been more successful. Uh, and that is a really good perspective to think about that, even if like you said, even if your 12 week year this time didn't go as well as you'd hope, you just got to keep in mind that you're still doing way more than if you had just set those goals once and just not worried about it for the year. So you focus on that big picture instead of how well each individual won and beat yourself up about that. Yeah, exactly. And then also you want to make sure that these goals, like we said, are in alignment with your core values. Uh, that's going to be really important. That's going to provide the motivation to keep going with these things. And then also the the 12-week year format, which again, we've got a training on this. So if you want to dive deep into this, you can. But the 12-week year uh, system is built on habits. So what are the habits, the things that you need to do consistently in order to uh, in order to achieve these goals? Okay, so when it comes to habits or rituals, Uh, I find it's a lot easier to think about these things as not just checking a box to make sure that I did this, but kind of reverse engineering these and figuring out how I am going to build this into a daily routine, which is going to provide me the space that I need to take action on these things, which is actually the the next step. So we'll get there in a a second. Um, But you do need to identify what are the habits you need to you need to establish in order to achieve these goals. And then the other thing is to think, are there any important deadlines for these projects? So is there, I don't know, you have this habit, maybe the habit is you're going to get up every day and you're going to write before you go into the office like I did when I wrote my book. Uh, maybe the important deadlines then are going to be, I'm going to write chapter one this week, chapter two next week, chapter three the week after, 
you know, if I had taken that approach, I could have published my book in a single 12 week year period instead of taking eight months. But I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't really understand the, the whole system here, but my book specifically like fits into this format perfectly. So if you've got a short book that you want to write, you could totally do it in a 12 week year period. If you identified it that way and put those project deadlines on or the, the chapter deadlines on your, on your calendar. Yeah, that's interesting. So I know every time, obviously, your 12-week year goals are going to be different, but do you find that you're ever able to transition some of the habits from from one to another, one one uh, quarter to another? Like if if you had kind of similar goals, are there things that you've, do you look back and think, oh, these habits worked really well uh, last quarter, I can I can apply them this quarter as well for this new goal. Does that ever happen? Uh, I can't think of an exact instance where that has happened for me, but I can totally see where it could. Uh, using the writing as an example, I mean, I could I could have created a 12-week year goal of writing a book or at least a portion of my book and showing up every day to write. You know, that's the habit I'm creating. Then once the book is created, then I'm going to create, you know, the the marketing and the sales pages and all that sort of stuff, you know, to go along with it. Uh, again, the the writing habit is the thing that can produce the the results. the The end result is a little bit different, but there's definitely you know that's just one example off the top of my head where you could definitely use the habit to achieve a different result. Uh, but that's different than the last one here. The last one I have is reevaluate your morning routine. So specifically, as I'm talking about with point six, what are the habits you need to establish in order to achieve your goals? Those are things that maybe you're going to do during your workday or whenever you have time to eat your frog or uh, take action on on these goals. But the morning routine, in my opinion, is something different and it's kind of sacred. (laughs) Yes. So these are things that are just going to put me in the best position to be successful in whatever I would do today, whether I get a chance to sit down and write, eat that frog or not. If I sleep in and uh, I I wake, wake up late, you know, and I've got something starting in in an hour, I'm still going to make sure that I've got the time to do my morning routine or at least an abbreviated version of this. So I look at my morning routine, my morning ritual, and I think about if there are any changes that I want to make. So specifically, one of the things that I've added recently, uh, I mentioned I I ran a, a half marathon not too long ago. Uh, I actually overtrained for the marathon, pulled uh, actually uh, several different things. I had an <laughs> IT band injury on my left leg. My patella tendon wasn't tracking correctly and my sacroiliac was out of line. Oh. So bottom line was I ran the half marathon, but it just about killed me. And I was really sore for several weeks after that. Uh, I went to physical therapy and uh, I've been able to to start running again, which is great. Although I found out I have to do all my endurance training again, which is kind of oh, no. <laughs> discouraging. Um, but that's neither here nor there. The the real takeaway from this in terms of the morning ritual is that I have stretches that and exercises that I'm doing every single day, which are going to prevent those injuries from happening in the future. And they only take five or 10 minutes to do, but it's something that I want to formalize, build into my morning rituals so that I do them every single day. And I don't have to think about whether I did them or not, because if I leave them, you know, until the end of the day, then sometimes, you know, I'm not going to, not going to do them. This is really important. I want to make sure that I take, uh, take care of my, my physical body, that I'm able to, to do the things that I, I want to do. So I know that this is something that I needed to add to my morning ritual. So that's, that's what I added this time. Uh, and the other tip that I would give here is that if you're going to start manipulating your morning ritual, don't try to implement a whole bunch of extra habits at the same time. If you want to start journaling, that's fine. Go ahead, do that. But don't do it and do stretching and do a million other things. Just do one thing, add one thing if you want to your morning ritual whenever you you sit down and you, you do this. So like once a quarter, but it's going to take some time to develop that rhythm and really make this thing automatic. And if you try to do a bunch of them, my experience, you'll end up just dropping everything. Have you found that you tend to add a new thing every every quarter after after these reviews? And if so, is there ever a point you think where you have to be like, okay, well, if I'm going to add one more thing, then I'm going to have to remove something. Uh, otherwise, it's just going to get way too long. Like, how have you, or have you found that you had the the space to to do that? I haven't had to remove anything from my morning ritual, although I could see that at some point. 
I added the stretching uh, this last quarter, and then the quarter before that, I believe, I added uh, meditation. So these are things that I probably should have been doing anyways. Uh, they should have been part of my morning ritual. And uh, now that they are, I really enjoy them. But uh, I do see that there would be a point of diminishing returns where you would have to to pick something else. But again, like just identify what are the things that are most important to you. You know, you could have 12 different things that you you want to do. I would argue that you probably don't need to have that many for your your morning ritual. Uh, in fact, we've got a morning ritual starter kit, which will walk you through the, the basic components that, that should be there. But yeah, it's it's kind of kind of up to you, whatever you think you can you can handle. I would say maybe six or seven different things, which are all outlined in that morning ritual starter kit. That'd be a great place to start. And it's also not going to take a huge amount of time at the beginning of your day. Obviously, the longer your morning ritual is, the greater the chance that you're not going to be able to do the whole thing. Makes sense. All right. So just to recap real quickly, the seven step process. Number one, review your personal core values. Number two, review the previous quarter. Number three, identify all your current roles and responsibilities. Number four, identify any additional commitments. Number five, ask the three questions, uh, which were, what should I start doing? What should I keep doing? What should I stop doing? Uh, Number six, pick your 12 week year goals. Three, never more than that. And then the last step, number seven, reevaluate your morning routine, your morning ritual. Uh, There's a couple other tips here, which I want to give out to people who are doing this. And these you could apply whether you're going to use the 12 week year framework or not. But these are are tips that will, uh, I think, help you be more successful when it comes to setting and achieving your goals. So first tip I'll throw out there is to reevaluate everything mentioned this earlier, but just because something was a yes previously does not mean that it is still a yes. You had a great point about if I said yes to this thing that was going to be in three months, would I still say yes if it was going to be next week? So perspective when it comes to these things is everything. Uh, next one, put important dates on your calendar. We talk about Stephen. We talked about uh, Stephen Covey and the the idea of the the big rocks. So I mentioned the next thinking day is something that I'll put on there. Uh, other examples might be birthdays, uh, dinner with friends. That's something that my wife and I identified that we're actually really bad at. <laughs> we, uh, we aren't very social, so we want to change that. We want to make sure that we've set aside time. And with five kids, we have to make sure that it gets on the calendar because it's never just going to happen. A uh, lot less spontaneous when you've got, a, got seven humans that you've got to coordinate instead of two. Yeah, I, w- I could see that being the case. <laughs> uh, number three, uh, recognize when a goal is a goal. So uh, a couple of examples, I mentioned the running a half marathon, the speaking at max stock, uh, the, the 12-week or the uh, the running half marathon one was interesting because there were a couple of quarters last time where I did not list that as a goal. I listed it as a goal during the quarter that uh, I actually ran the half marathon, but uh, what I realized was that I had been doing a whole bunch of work towards this goal the previous quarters. And by the time the marathon, the, the quarter of the, the marathon, uh, it really wasn't a whole lot of effort. I just had to show up and run. So if I were to do it over again, I would actually include the training as one of my 12 week year goals. I mentioned the max stock example where I'm going to be presenting there. And I want to make sure that I do that a really good job on those presentations. So I'm going to prioritize that and I'm going to make that a goal. Uh, And then along the same lines, you know, when you're recognizing what a goal is, give yourself some credit, you know, viewing the the max stock presentation as an example, you know, I could view that as something that I've got to work around, or I could view that as, you know, actually, no, that that's pretty cool that I'm able to, to share the stage with Brett Terpstra and Gene McDonald and, Adam Christensen and all of these other super smart people, a lot of my internet heroes like that. That's super cool. So I'm going to, I'm going to make that a goal. I'm going to make sure that I do a really good job with that. And by making that a goal, I've given myself uh, a win. You know, that's the the last tip I, I would add here is to celebrate your successes. So I could view max stock as something that I've just got to do and it's in the way. And it's a couple of days in July that I'm not going to be able to devote towards other goals or I can give myself permission to work on that as a goal and I can celebrate my success when I'm done. Yeah, this is something where when you were talking before about how you want to look back at uh, the things you've accomplished in the in the uh, in the quarter, uh, this is something where you really want to look at and be and give yourself a pat on the back and say, you know, 
I've done some great things this quarter. It doesn't have to be speaking at a conference, but I guarantee you're going to find some things there that that you should be if you if you were talking about somebody else, uh, you would be very impressed by. So make sure you you try to step outside yourself, like you say, uh, and uh, and celebrate that a little bit. Yeah. And if you follow this process and the things that you're doing are in alignment with your core values, then it's a lot easier to allow yourself to celebrate those successes because you're not, quote unquote, wasting time accomplishing goals that really don't mean anything. If you are positive that everything that you're working on, all your different areas of responsibility, all of your different commitments are contributing towards where you want to be in five years, then when you complete one of those things, absolutely, you should celebrate your success. We know how frustrating it can be when you're overwhelmed and unable to get traction on your goals. We know what it's like to have too much to do and not enough time to do it in. But the good news is that you don't have to stay there. We've helped tens of thousands of people here at Asian Efficiency make time for what's important to them and take action on their goals, whether you use the 12-week year framework or not. If you're tired of not having enough time, you feel stuck, or you need a little help defeating the obstacles that stand between you and your ideal future, then take a couple of minutes and complete our online productivity quiz. In just a couple of minutes of your time, you can get a personalized productivity plan to help you get unstuck and on your way to achieving success without the stress. To take the quiz, just go to theproductivityshow.com slash quiz. Again, that URL is theproductivityshow.com slash quiz. It's only going to take you a couple of minutes and you'll get results, which will show you the biggest areas for improvement, as well as deliver several curated resources to help you overcome the resistance that is keeping you from achieving your full potential. You can also find links to everything that we discussed today in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 207. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us an iTunes review or a star in Overcast. The show is on Twitter as at ProductivityFM. And if you want to get your questions answered and get mentioned on the show, you can send us a tweet with the hashtag AskTPS. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next Productive Monday.